You are listening to the Adult Explore the Bible Weekly Leader Training Podcast. This podcast is designed to help teachers prepare to lead a Bible study group using LifeWay's Explore the Bible adult resources. Each week, we review the Bible passage for that week's study, examine some questions teachers may face, and give some teaching tips along the way. I'm Dwayne McCrary, your host, and today I'm being joined by Mike Livingston. Mike's one of the members of the Adult Explore the Bible team. So, Mike, thank you for being with us as we finish our study of First and Second Kings. Glad to be here. We're going to be looking at session 13. As I said, this is our final study of First and Second Kings during the summer of 2022. We're looking at Second Kings chapter 28, verses 8 through 20. And we're looking at how Josiah led revival uh, during that time period. Uh, the key th- thoughts here or the outline of the passage follows these three ideas, discovered, response, proven. First idea discovered is verses 8 through 10. Hilkiah found the book of the law while cleaning in the temple. He handed it over to Shaphan, who informed King Josiah and read it to him. A key idea for us is all people should read and study God's word. Second point, verses 11 through 13, is response. Josiah was grief-stricken after hearing the book of the law. He commanded a delegation to inquire of God about what they should do in response to what he had just heard. He recognized that the words of the book had not been obeyed, and God's wrath was coming as a result. The key point for us is that God's word should move believers to obedience to God. The last section proven is verses 14 through 20. The delegation approached the prophetess Hilda. She told them that God's judgment would soon come to pass. She also explained that the judgment would not come until after Josiah's death because he had humbled himself and sought God in response to hearing the book of the law. The thing we can learn from this is that God is true to his word, extending grace and exacting judgment as promised. So we have this story here in 2 Kings 22. The the word of God has been ignored. So Mike, we're going to start off with this question. What are the dangers, not just ignoring God's word, but being ignorant of God's word? And how could that happen then? And how could it happen now? The dangers we could, you know, talk about the dangers being, uh, of course, a lack of spiritual maturity. When, when we don't know God's word, we're not grounded in God's word. No, we don't know it. Um, there's going to be a lack of spiritual maturity. Uh, Paul talked in Ephesians 4.14, you know, the, about the danger of being tossed about by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching. <clears throat> so there you've got, um, you know, the danger of doctrinal uh, error, I guess, I guess you would say. And, and, or spiritual maturity also can evidence itself in um, in, in relational ways in the church with division, uh, envy, and strife. Uh, Paul talked about that in 1 Corinthians 3. Um, so there's, there's the danger is a, a lack of spiritual maturity among believers, which is a real problem today. And um, another, it would be a lack of spiritual effectiveness. You know, spiritual effectiveness would, would be a, a, a significant danger. Second Timothy three sixteen and seventeen. You know, you're familiar familiar with those verses about all Scripture being inspired by God, and it's profitable for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. But he, but he talks about the purpose in verse seventeen. The purpose of Scripture 
is, is not just to make us smarter, not just to win arguments, but to know how to do God's work in the world. He says in verse seven, uh, 17, that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. Um, so an ignorance of God's word, um, you know, can result in not only in, in, in drifting doctrinally uh, or doctrinal error, but also it results in child, childishness, um, contentiousness, um, ineffectiveness uh, in, in the church and among believers. Uh, I think the second part, you know, the question is, how can this happen? How, how could this happen? How could it happen today? Many of our listeners know who Jimmy Draper is. Uh, Dr. Draper wrote a book a number of years ago called Biblical Authority. And, and uh, I looked at that recently and he, in one of the chapters, <clears throat> I can't remember which one, he talked about um, three, three dangers. I think it relates to this discussion. Three dangers he identifies uh, today facing the church today is adding to the word of God, replacing the word of God, or displacing the word of God. So, you know, the first one he mentioned is adding to, to the word of God. Uh, we, 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 would add, we add to the word of God if we say, well, only a particular church can interpret scripture correctly. Or we, we add to it if we elevate a word of personal revelation to, to the same level as scripture, the same level of authority. Um, he, Draper says in, in, the, in the book, the Christian who owns a Bible needs additional revelation about as much as the Sahara Desert needs sand. You know, you, you have in, <laughs> scripture, you have all you need. All right. You have what you need. You don't have to add anything else to that. Uh, and then he talked about replacing the word of God. We see this today all the time. Preachers and teachers who sound more like life coaches than gospel preachers, life coaches rather than the Bible teachers, you know, those who address who instead of address, addressing the problem of sin and spiritual death, talk more about how to be prosperous and successful. Yeah, and Paul talked about, you know, 2 Timothy 4, you know, the time's going to come when people don't tolerate sound doctrine. They, they have an itch, and they want teachers who will um, tell them what they want to hear. You know, basically, you know, you, you see that. And then uh, displacing the Word of God. Um some churches today undermine or de deny the, the sufficiency of Scripture by relegate the Bible uh, to, to the periphery of our worship experience. It's, it's not central in worship. It's more of a, an appendix to, to what happens in, in worship. Uh, and so, you know, for all these reasons, you know, the, the church, churches are filled today with biblical illiterates, and research reveals that to be a fact. Um, and we shouldn't be surprised by that when, when um, we shouldn't be surprised by this lack of biblical knowledge when churches tend to marginalize biblical teaching today. And that's one reason that both you and I are so, we feel so strongly about Explore the Bible is because it, mm -hmm. it is an effort yeah. to help uh, people come to know at least the core parts of Yeah, and, and, and if you're a teacher, I mean, if you're teaching, um, explore the bible or anything i mean you're on the front lines of in this in this fight or this battle against biblical illiteracy today what you do is so important yeah you mentioned let me mention those three things again adding misplacing and displacing those were the three that dr Draper <laughs> adding mentioned. replacing adding replacing replacing not misplacing replacing displacing 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, in verse 11, we find Josiah's response. He tore his clothes. Are there any comparisons to this practice today? <laughs> well, um, yeah, of course, you know, we know that was an expression of grief. It was his reaction <clears throat> when, he, when, he, when he heard the word, when he heard the law, the word of God for the first time. And, you know, it appears that you know, he's, he's never heard this before. He's hearing this for the first time, it seems. And he realizes when he heard, when he heard God's word, how, how far they had strayed from God's covenant demands. So his, his reaction was one of grief. Um, an interesting comparison you might make, or uh, maybe it's a a contrast would be a better word, Uh, would be a a generation later when uh, King Jehoiakim read Jeremiah's scroll. This is Jeremiah 36. He read Jeremiah's scroll and he cut it in pieces and threw it in the fire. And it says in Jeremiah 36, 24, as they heard all these words, meaning Jeremiah's scroll that Jeremiah wrote down, as they heard these words, the king and all his servants did not become terrified or tear their clothes. The exact opposite reaction. So they reacted not only with indifference when they heard God's word, they acted with defiance to God's word. What a, what a contrast that, that was. But it's, it's really what happened after Josiah tore his clothes that's, that's significant. Um, when he heard the words of, of, you know, the book of the law, he, he reacted this way, but, but he didn't stop there. He didn't stop at tearing his clothes. He commanded the delegation to inquire of God. What, what, do, we, what do we do now? What do we do in response to this? Um, so he, you know, he led the people then to make a renewed commitment to, God, to the covenant. He reinstituted the Passover. It, he changed so much that so there was something said of Josiah, not said of any other king uh, in 2 Kings 23, 25, that he lived according to all the law of Moses. Uh, so he, he changed and he instituted change in, in the lives of, you know, in the nation, in the lives of, of the people. So his, his response makes me think of what happened on the day of Pentecost when Peter preached uh, the word of God and people heard this and they were pierced to the heart and, and they said, what do, we, what do we do now? What should we do? So God's word affects our lives. It convicts. It moves us to obedience. So we, we listen to his word, not just to become smarter Christians, but to live and act more like the people of God, like God wants us to live and to act. The comparison is when, when we hear God's word, we, we become convicted by it and we say, God, okay, God, now what do you want me to do? We live in obedience. And that, that's what I was saying. It did, he, Josiah didn't just tear his clothes and, you know, grieve, but he said, okay, God, now what? Now what? Yeah, you have Jehoiakim hearing some of this uh, similar words and him responding the exact opposite. Yeah. And so... Uh, you know, we have to, the, the issue is not tearing of the clothes, like you mentioned, but what do we do with that information? Right. Uh, does it, does it force us to move? Um, in, in this, in this passage, we see judgment and grace working together. Um, uh, there are other examples in scripture that may help us illustrate how grace and judgment work together. Yeah, you got two, two, those two things together here. 
in, in Holda's message, the first part of her message was judgment. Um, God says, I'm about to bring disaster on this place. Judgment is coming because his people had abandoned him. They're worshiping other gods. So judgment's coming. It's inevitable. It is coming. God says there's, there's a judgment aspect of it. But then the second part of her message was for King Josiah, which was a word of grace. So on the one hand, judgment's coming, and, and judgment is the result of sin. But on the other hand, God, God is extending grace here to the one who humbled himself before God and confessed his sin before God. And, and I love uh, 2 Kings twenty two nineteen. 19. Uh, it says, because your heart was tender, your heart was tender, and you humbled yourself before the Lord. So because you, you humbled yourself, before me, you, you're not going to see this disaster I'm bringing on this place. So God is a God of judgment, but offers grace to the humble and to the repentant. Um, and so other examples, I mean, there are, there are other ex examples. Um, read the story of, of Noah uh, or in John 3.18, where anyone who believes in him is not condemned, but anyone who does not believe is already condemned because he's not believed in the name of the of one and only son of God. There's, there's judgment, but there's also grace, a way of, to experience grace. You have those two things together. In this, this particular session, the key doctrine is the scriptures. Uh, you find this in uh, both the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, leader guide, uh, but the key doctrine it reads like this, the scriptures reveals the principles by which God judges us and therefore is and will remain to the end of the world, the true center of Christian union and the supreme standard by which all human conduct, creeds, and religious opinions should be tried. And then it has two passages, Deuteronomy 4, 1 and 2, 2 Peter 1, 19 through 21. Obviously, the, the, the reading of the scroll, of the law, of the Bible, uh, the known Bible at that point, plays a significant role in this story. A question that I, 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 we, or we must come to ask ourselves here as believers is if that's true, if we really believe that scripture is that central and that all human conduct would be tried uh, and evaluated in light of scripture, then one of the things we have to ask ourselves is if we really believe that, how do our actions just demonstrate that belief? So Mike, what are some ways we might encourage our group to demonstrate that belief that scripture is that central yeah. and that everybody ought to study it, for example? Go back to the, you know, go back to the book of Acts. Um, in the beginning of the, of the church, um, Day of Pentecost, Acts 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And that tells me two things about the early church that I pray would be true of us today. One is that the, the members of the church, the, the new believers, they were hungry for teaching. They were hungry to be taught the word of God. They devoted themselves to the, to the apostles' teaching. Uh, but it tells me also that the leaders in the church taught that people were hungry to hear it and, and leaders taught it. And we have a, we have a pretty good idea of what the apostles were teaching, 
based on, you know, you look at Peter's sermon on Pentecost. I mean, it's just, he's just going through scripture. I mean, he's just preaching scripture. So, I mean, we have a good idea what, what they were teaching in, in the early church. They were teaching like Jesus taught them. And Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. I mean, that's no doubt that that's, that's the way they taught as well in the, in the church. They're teaching scripture and people were hungry to hear it. Um, and that's, that's what we need desperately. Um, <clears throat> there, uh, there's an Old Testament scholar named Walter Kaiser who wrote a book called Toward an Exegetical Theology. And he says this, I'm going to quote, uh, I'm paraphrase the first part and then, then quote the second part of this, but he, he says, in all, in all of our activities to try to restore the church to her former position of influence and respect, we've, we've developed all kinds of programs. You know, we got all kinds of programs in the church, but whatever new programs, whatever new emphases we periodically offer, he says, and here, here I quote now, that which is needed above everything else is to make the church more viable what is needed above everything else to make the church more viable authentic and effective is a new declaration of the scripture with a new purpose and passion and power you know so programs have you know a place uh, certainly but I, I i don't you agree with him what kaiser is saying that what is needed above everything else is a new commitment to teach scripture to teach it with a new purpose, a new passion, and in, in, in the power of the Holy Spirit—that's that's what we need more than anything else in the church today. And that and that, that power or that passion is such that it drives us to involve as many people as we can mm -hmm. in Bible study, yeah. um, where they can dialogue, talk, discuss. That means our groups have got to be small enough where people can have conversation and ask hard questions. We have to be willing as teachers to say, I don't know the answer to that, but let's find out together. Um, you know, so many of our classes today, I think, are so big. You can't really have teaching in them. You have a presentation. Yeah. And some folks believe that to be teaching, but that the person who's sitting there was not engaged in the conversation. We're not engaged in the discovery of that truth. And uh, uh, we do them a disservice when we don't help them discover those truths for themselves, help them understand how we found that, how we got to that conclusion. Let them come to their conclusions as well. I think we're afraid that they're going to go to the wrong thing. Well, I don't know that that's true. I think that they will come to a proper conclusion. The Bible will speak for itself if we let it. And I, I do think that the centrality of scripture you know, there's a lot of talk right now about community, and I understand the importance of community, but that community has to have substance to it, and scripture gives us that substance. It's the thing that, that sets us apart from a neighborhood group that comes together to patrol the neighborhood. As good and as important as that is, it's not the examination of scripture, and that's more important to me, uh, particularly where we are right now in our history. Of, of needing to examine truth uh, and something that that it stood the test of time. Yeah. Uh, one thing that could happen in this lesson is it'd be easy to get lost in all the names here. Uh, the teaching plans, the group plans in both the, the leader guide and in the daily discipleship guide, in the back of the daily discipleship guide, encourage us to list the names of the people who appear as we go through the passages. 
we go through verses 8 through 20. List those people's names. And as you find out about them, give a little bit about what they're trying to do. Let the group define that. Then that'll help us keep names straight so we don't get lost in all of that and miss out on the greater uh, part of this study, which is about God's spirit moves with power when we obey his word. If we, if we do that, that'll help, help our class, I think, um, maneuver through all of these names of people and who did what and how they did it, because it'd be easy to get lost in that. Mike, are there any other key thoughts or ideas you would share from 2 Kings 22? Uh, I've said before, um, I think on other occasions, that anything, anything of eternal importance that happens in your class this week, it's going to happen because of the power of God's word. Mm. It's not going to happen because of your expertise, because of your education or the cleverness of your comments about God's word. It's going to happen because of the power of God's word. Um, so it's just, just, you know, a reminder of our role as teachers is, is to teach his word. Um, so that's, that's what we do. That's what we'll do. Thanks for that word, Mike. And one thing I would remind our, our listeners too about is it, it, this is being the end, with this being the end of the quarter, it uh, gives us an opportunity to review the lessons that we've looked at during the summer. So one thing that may be helpful is to just turn to the table of contents in the personal study guide, the daily discipleship guide, commentary, whichever resource you use in your group, and just walk through those lessons real quick at the end and have them have, have the group members identify lessons that really help them, that encourage them. Now, I know not everybody's going to be there every week, particularly in the summer, but at least we'll, they, will, they should be able to identify a lesson that was encouraging to them. And just use that as a way to remind them of the value of the Bible in their lives each and every day uh, as a way to reinforce this last lesson and encourage them to, to, to heed it. From time to time in the podcast, we mentioned different resources in the Explore the Bible family. The Leader Pack, Adult Commentary, Quick Source, to name a few. You can find out more about all the Explore the Bible resources on our website at goexplorethebible.com. That's goexplorethebiblenospaces.com. I want to thank you for listening today, Mike. Thank you for being with us uh, this week. Uh, we hope you join us next week. Next week, we're going to be starting a whole new study uh, for the fall. We're going to be looking at Amos. Jonah, Hosea, and Micah. Encourage you to come back, be a part of the podcast during the fall as we examine those messages from those prophets. Mm -hmm.